and good morning. It's Friday, the 11th of May, 2018. Welcome back to another episode of Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the first and only regularly updated podcast in the world dedicated entirely to autonomous cars. So, episode 29, a very special episode this, because I am pleased to welcome to our show our first ever guest, James Newton. James is British, he's been living in France for just over 30 years, and has had an eclectic career developing business in industries focused on Internet of Things, telematics, and automotive. And I've learned he's also quite passionate about gardening and quantum gravity in that order. So I first connected with James over an article that he'd written. I found this article on LinkedIn. The title is, Will Autonomous Vehicles Be the Killer IoT Application? IoT, of course, the shorthand for Internet of Things. I've gone ahead and embedded a link to this article in this episode's description because it's a really fantastic read and I highly recommend it. So I read this article and was really blown away by both its thoroughness, but also and especially its succinctness in which James does a really fantastic job of recognizing that autonomous vehicles aren't just some new technology, but they're really going to be the sort of catalyst that really coalesces many different disparate technologies to kind of bring them all together. So anyway, I thought it was a fantastic read. I highly recommend that you give it a read as well. But in any event, I thought it'd be really great to invite James to do this show uh, as our first guest to interview him, ask him a few questions, uh, really get his thoughts, pick his brain on everything he's discussed in the article and more besides. So for this first interview, I've decided to keep things simple and very targeted. Uh, you'll hear five questions that I've asked to James. They are Fairly open-ended, yet focused. He then gives his answer to me, and we move on to the next question in sequence. So uh, without further ado, let's dive in and get started. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself... What is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, Mark. Hi, James. Hello. So I guess uh, thanks again so much for joining uh, on this show. Uh, I guess if we could just get started, please, if you could share a bit about your background and how you got into autonomous cars. Sure. Um, I, I'm British, but I've been living in France uh, for about 30 years now. And most of that time spent in the city of Toulouse, where most of the industry here is based around aerospace. So that is both uh, building planes, but also quite a bit of space exploration, because you have the uh, National Space Agency based here. And it means that quite a lot of uh, industries here have uh, developed um, applications and hardware, I suppose you could say, when it comes to autonomous vehicles. Um, based on technologies that are derived from those industries. So um, there are uh, companies like Continental here, which is, uh, I think, originally German, and they've got quite a, um, a large part of their activity in the U.S. as well. There's also, of course, Airbus. And in the uh, autonomous vehicle industry, there's uh, a company called um, Easy Mile. That's... Uh, I suppose uh, exactly as you would spell it in English, Easy Mile. And they're the ones specialized in making autonomous minivans, which uh, 
have been deployed in different parts of the world. I think in Stockholm, they've actually got a public bus service set up there using the EZ10 vehicle, which is fully autonomous. Um, so my background, of course, being here has, has been working in uh, industries uh, related to those, namely in uh, IoT, so the Internet of Things, um, formerly called M2M, machine to machine. And I've been working quite a lot on connected vehicles over time. So, of course, originally it meant sort of plugging a box into the vehicle and getting it to retrieve a certain amount of data about where the vehicle is, how much fuel it's using up, and how people are driving them. And um, over the past few years, I've, uh, of course, been getting involved with more and more autonomous vehicle projects. And um, it was good to come across your podcast because uh, you do indeed seem to be the only one doing this as a podcast these days. So uh, thumbs up to you on that. Well, thanks very much. So your article, Will Autonomous Cars Be the Killer App for Internet of Things? Uh, obviously, I read it and loved it. That's why we're doing this, this call right now. But some in the comments suggested it was a bit of a misnomer, perhaps, to suggest that cars are the for Internet of Things, but rather, as you briefly alluded to, for 5G. So can you articulate your views on this distinction, whether it even matters? Yeah, I, I read those comments as well, and I think they're legitimate. Um, it was uh, an article I wrote more as a sort of thought-provoking exercise than an actual statement of truth. So um, IoT you know, has been a buzzword for uh, about 10 years now and uh, seems to be gaining more and more traction uh, as it becomes mainstream. And as with all new technology trends, people always come up with the question of what's the killer app going to be? And some people have said, what well, it's tracking, and other people have said other things like home automation or whatever. But my conclusion, because I've been working in IoT for almost 20 years now, and my conclusion is that, that there isn't a killer app in that technology as yet. I don't know whether there ever will be, but if there is going to be an application uh, which could be defined as, as killer, uh, then it would probably be autonomous vehicles. Now, as the article uh, explains, you, you can't just blatantly say this and, and hope everybody will give you a thumbs up. Um, so it was also an exercise for myself to make sure, you know, we define what a killer app is and also um, really find out whether autonomous vehicles are truly an IoT application. Um, so a killer app is an application for which you're ready to buy the whole system that hosts it. Um, so, of course, in the past, the best application has been word processing or even spreadsheets where people would buy computers uh, to be able to do word processing. Um, and, and whereas the system would cost you know, several thousand pounds or dollars or euros, whatever, <laughs> depending on where you live in the world, um, to just you know do word processing didn't seem uh, an issue because people found a lot of value in doing that. Um, now, when it comes to IoT, for the moment, it's difficult to define the sort of standard platform for IoT, and you know it's it's a pretty vague concept at the moment where it's things uh, big or small connecting to the internet. And 
when you when you look at the the, the, the sort of basic uh, rules that underlie the definition of IoT, it's mainly autonomous devices, in other words, which don't rely on uh, anything external to actually work. So they run on batteries, they have embedded intelligence, and they sporadically will connect to the internet to either retrieve data or send data or both. So uh, when you look at the definition of IoT, which I, I decided to use the one which you find on Wikipedia, but you know, obviously people can disagree with that definition, but at least there is one. Um, and autonomous vehicles fit that definition quite well. They run on batteries. They don't depend on external um, systems to work. Uh, they're meant to be able to detect and analyze their environment by themselves. And they're not actually required, I suppose, to connect to the internet to work, but they obviously do and will do uh, because for machine learning purposes and you know, feeding all these artificial intelligence systems that are gonna improve the way they work um, is necessary. And also my bet is that uh, autonomous vehicles will be full of infotainment uh, appliances in the sense that you know, if you're hopping into a car and you're no longer driving it or no longer just sitting in it as a passenger and for those who do, I'm sure most people these days get onto their smartphones pretty quickly. I, I often see people in taxis and they're always on their smartphones. So you no longer just read a newspaper or whatever. And the the infotainment factor is going to be huge in the sense that you'll obviously to uh, make these cars both enjoyable uh, and useful, there will be probably large screens, good sound systems, and to get all that to work properly, pro properly, sorry, you're going to need um, a high bitrate connection, which means that the fact that projections for autonomous cars coming in the next 5, 10, 15 years, it's difficult to know exactly when. Um, but anyway, th these timescales coincide with the deployment of 5G networks. And I think they're both going to fit very well together. So that is... Uh, uh, what I have to say to people who, you know, comment on whether they think that the question or the statement that autonomous vehicles uh, could be the killer IoT application, um, it, it, you know, it leaves things open. But I think that everything that's said in the article can be pinned down as pretty true, even if the statement itself can be questioned. Perfect. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So Malcolm Gladwell, in his book, The Tipping Point, he discusses the phenomena of a technology product or idea tipping into popular acceptance. So James, what do you think it'll take and when for autonomous cars to, well, tip into popular acceptance? That's a good question, Mark. Actually, I've, I've got that book. It's been in, in my drawer for about 
seven years, I think. <laughs> I haven't read it, but I do know uh, the point he was making in that book because uh, uh, it was one of the reasons I bought it. I thought I'd try and find out a bit more, more about why, why he said that. But um, <clears throat> what would be the tipping point? <clears throat> um, I think that uh, the, the major tipping point for autonomous vehicles is, is legality. It's, it's regulation. It's <clears throat> when... Uh, the the people who you know decide on laws make it possible to have these things on the roads. Um, I think it's going to be one of those things where once you've tried it, you don't want to go back on it. I mean, you, you don't want to go back to the old way of traveling. Um, I think people are going to find it so um, enjoyable, um, productive. It's going to be so much more relaxing. Um, to just sit in a car and, and be taken to wherever you've sort of programmed it to take you, because obviously not driving means you just sort of set it and forget it, at least while you're sitting in it. Um, so it, it's going to, uh, I think once people have tried it, it'll probably start with a, an Uber type service, you know, where you'll be summoning a car somewhere. And once people have tried it, I think they'll just find it, um, so much better than what they've experienced so far um, that uh, they will then keep using it and start telling their friends about it who will then probably try and use it because of course you know you can get get into a car being several people and um, have meetings have parties I don't know do whatever you want to do and um, yeah it, that, that will be the tipping point but to get there we need the laws to allow it first and uh, I don't know what exactly it's going to take uh, to do that. Um, I think we're going to go through a public transport phase first where, you know, it's going to be managed systems which travel on bus lanes and stuff like that. So sort of semi-closed roads um, so that people, first of all, get used to the idea and for legislation to sort of wrap its head around it. And then, you know, once we've gone through that phase, then you'll start having uh, private vehicles, autonomous vehicles on the roads. Got it. Thank you. So, obviously, the news flares up whenever there's an autonomous vehicle crash. There's a huge outcry from people saying it's too risky, too dangerous. You can't risk people's lives testing autonomous vehicles and so on. So first, what do you say to this? Then second, I think quite importantly, how do you compare and contrast this new era of autonomous vehicles with, say, the steamboat or the railroad, and certainly with aviation before it, in terms of a sort of cost-benefit risk analysis of the testing process itself? Yeah, that's a very good question. And uh, I, 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 when I read about these accidents, uh, especially the one in, involving an Uber car in Arizona, you know, where there, there was the first time a fully autonomous vehicle you know had a, a fatal accident um first of all um as with all technologies involving transport i think these things are inevitable um and the other the other thing that comes to mind when i read these things is that you know wh what do people say every time someone gets killed on the road when a human is driving a car and this happens you know so much um i'm always uh, surprised to see how people you know are scared about hopping into planes and um getting into i would say less common means of transport and feeling frightened about it where just 
you know, driving in a car and actually just driving in your own neighborhood is probably the most dangerous thing you can do um, because of all the other people driving, even if you're a very good driver and very precautious, you never know what other people are going to do and, you know, what's going to come up in front of you. So autonomous vehicles necessarily will take out the, the, the human error uh, from uh, driving and I, I can't remember the, the exact statistics, but um, uh, it's something like at least three quarters of road accidents are caused by people, you know, just not paying attention to, to what they're doing or to other people. Um, and I think we see it more and more these days is people are texting, people are on the phone, people are doing all sorts of things in their cars when they shouldn't be. And uh, while the number of fatal accidents, at least here in Europe, uh, is going down, uh, the number of actual accidents, so you know, cars bumping, bumping into each other and causing uh, material damage, uh, is, is, I think, increasing, or at least it's, it's not going down uh, in any great way, uh, because there's some, so much distraction. Um, I think that travel time has also become a major component in people's lives. Uh, commuting takes up hours each day for quite a lot of people, especially in the big cities, uh, which is where most of the population lives. And this time seems wasted, uh, you know, holding onto a steering wheel and, and driving a car. And uh, this is why people, you know, decide to use that time to get on the phone and do other things. Um, so obviously, Autonomous vehicles are going to put that time to good use and people can only draw benefit from it um, in terms of how they use their time, but also in the number of accidents that will occur will, will go down necessarily. It, it will be way down relative to what we experience uh, as human drivers. Now, to, to go on to the question about how this could compare to uh, former technologies, um, yeah, transport has always had accidents there again. I don't have uh, the figures, especially concerning planes, but I, I, you know, I know that there were quite a few deaths um, when, when planes were first uh, getting off the ground. Um, but definitely one event that sticks to mind, which I um, related to in, in my article, was the, the railroad accident. Actually, on the inauguration day of the Manchester to Liverpool uh, railway line, where you had the the grata of uh, English society traveling on these trains, just going back and forth very basically along these tracks. And uh, uh, obviously these were industry leaders and decision makers and politicians uh, on these trains. And, and, and one, of the, one of the passengers uh, uh, got off the train at a stop when everybody was actually asked to stay on the train, but they, he got off and as did quite a few other people just sort of walk around and, and discuss the experience. And uh, the the other the other line had a, had a train coming back on it. So it was a little, you know, there were two way lines, uh, and um, there were shouts for people to get off the track because <laughs> you, you might find this uh, amusing. But the 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 first trains didn't have brakes because they would put them in reverse gear to actually brake because they knew when the stops would occur, so they could anticipate and uh, just put, put the, the gears in reverse to stop them. But of course, someone being on the track midway was not foreseen. And the train ran over 
a very prominent uh, English um, politician, uh, Mr. Huskisson, uh, who had his legs severed, if I remember right, and uh, died a few hours afterwards because uh, uh, despite being whisked away, um, he was uh, the first, I would say, martyr sacrificed on the um, on, on, on the uh, table of um, <clears throat> railway technology. And um, so what what people found at the time was uh, you know this was a tragic accident and uh, but the pressure to develop the railways because everybody knew this was a huge uh, business driving factor uh, the pressure was so great that uh, you know there was no way just uh, one or two or even several accidents could have held it back and huskisson himself actually had in his pocket um the speech he was going to give that day on on you know how how important he knew uh, the railway industry would be to the future development of society and as we know it was a major part of the industrial revolution so i think that um, these accidents with autonomous cars are as i said inevitable um, they the figures will show that uh, you know there's going to be so many uh, so many fewer accidents um, than than with human driven cars uh, it's uh, it's just a phase we have to go through, and people will get used to that. I'm not I'm not saying they're going to get used to people dying from <laughs> being hit by autonomous cars, but they're they're going to get used to the fact of that you know autonomous cars will be a lot safer uh, than uh, the human driven ones. There's going to be um, uh, I think a, a, a major to get back to your previous question a major tipping point, which is when will have reached the uh, critical mass of autonomous vehicles on the roads relative to human-driven uh, vehicles because, you know, as long as there are people driving cars on the roads, there are going to be accidents. And uh, uh, it's going to be good to see the impact of autonomous vehicles once they become the, the, the majority on the roads. Great. Thank you, James. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. So, James, this has been really great. Um, thanks so much, of course, for your feedback on all these uh, questions we've discussed so far. I think to close it out, then, I'll sort of open it up to you if there's anything kind of in general you'd like to discuss or share about all this. Yeah, um, I, I just uh, think it's a, a very exciting time we're uh, living at the moment. Uh, uh, we, we see the emergence of uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, high bitrate wireless connections and autonomous vehicles. And I think that for most people, each of these technologies taken separately doesn't necessarily make much sense in everyday life. Um, you know, people uh, hear about artificial intelligence and you, you, you hear that a machine won a Go game. You think, well, great, you know, that's really not much to do with me. Um, and the only access I have to it is through my Google Assistant. Uh, but when you look at autonomous vehicles, you realize that all this is going to come together 
in one major application where you know we, we're going to have uh, the high bitrate connections first of all to, so that cars can communicate among themselves and know what's happening further down the road to make the actual traveling safer um, there's going to be machine learning and artificial intelligence to improve the behavior of these cars on the roads and make sure everything runs as smoothly and as efficiently as possible and uh, autonomous vehicles in themselves are going to be such a major evolution in our traveling experience that uh, this is really what urged me to write that article and saying that you know this is going to be a killer application whether you whether you call it iot or not it really doesn't matter it's going to be major um that that's uh really what i have to say uh, relative to the whole topic. Yeah, so so basically it sounds then, if I understand correctly, I mean, the idea is that really autonomous cars are kind of going to be the catalyst that's going to sort of coalesce all these, until now, sort of disparate technologies, kind of bring them all together, essentially under one umbrella for one sort of singular use case, which of course is going to have all these really far-flung implications. Is that is that right? Yeah, I mean, that's how I see it. It's, yeah. it's definitely going to be the, the hub uh, in which all these technologies meet and, and, and make sense. Yeah, right. That, that, that is how I see things. So. Perfect. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Got it. Well, James, this has been really great. Obviously, thanks so much for your time. Um, again, of course, thank you for writing that insightful article. I think that's what sparked all this, of course. And uh, yeah, really appreciate your time. Yeah, very welcome, Mark. Um, I, I don't know if people are going to get a link to the, the article, but it's, it's on LinkedIn. I think if you type something like IoT, autonomous vehicles, it might pop up. I don't know how people will reach it. Otherwise, under uh, James Newton in, on LinkedIn, I'd be pleased to have other people's comments on that. It'd be interesting. Very good. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Mark. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that'll do it. That's a wrap. Again, a huge thank you to James for taking time this morning. I should say his evening over in France. Uh, really, James, a huge uh, pleasure to have you on this podcast as my first guest. And of course, to uh, all the listeners out there, uh, again, thank you so much for listening. If you have any thoughts uh, or feedback, of course, be sure to leave me a message. If you're listening on anchor.fm or elsewhere, for instance, Apple's iTunes podcast, please be sure to leave a review. And remember, the more five-star ratings I get, the more likely it is for this podcast to be featured on Apple's new and featured podcast. So, Anything you can do there, continue sharing with your friends and colleagues, very much appreciated indeed. And that'll do it. Uh, I guess have a wonderful weekend ahead. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week, bye-bye.